0: It's time, D-Heads! Disney Blue presents the Diz Radio Show. Every week, Diz Radio lets you relive the magic, movies, and memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic entertainment, newest hits, retrospects, and breaking news on Hollywood's latest. So put on those ears, strap on the proton packs, beware of lost boys, jump on a hoverboard, and flip that dial to the Disney Sunday Movie. The Diz Radio Show is on the air. Now,
1: here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all you Diz Radio fans out there, you tuned in once again for the magic, the fun, the memories, and all the great things that have to do with the nostalgia from your life, your lifetime of memories, because you tuned in for another installment here at the Diz Radio Show. And this week for show number 254, for the week of January 26, 2024, we're taking you back in time. We're visiting a little bit of history. We're going to maybe go down to hell, go up to heaven, and have all kinds of fun as we face the music with none other than Amy Stock stopping in here at the show. Now, Amy, you may recognize as Missy from the entire Bill & Ted franchise. Yeah, she was part of Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey, Face the Music... And she was on a variety of other things that you all know from growing up and your memories from Gunsmoke, Dallas, Days of Our Lives, Summer School, and so many other projects. And Amy's going to stop in and talk about what it was like getting into acting, being on Star Search, sitting on this project called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that got shelved for almost two years before it got released, and how she keeps coming back as Missy, and just now, understanding what it means to the fans and how important Missy is to them. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and once again, we have Aaron dipping his hand into the mailbox and answering all your questions in I Want to Know. Dominic is answering a few questions from you D-heads for musical scores that you'd like reviewed. We have Jeremy going deep into our guest here this week and maybe talking a little bit of his own crushes growing up. And let's not forget Frank giving you a little bit of wit and inspiration with the Diz Radio quote of the week. So there is all kinds of fun here this week. I'm ready to jump into the phone booth, key in those numbers, and jump back in time and take a little trip into memory lane with a lot of fun things here this week. I am excited for this guest. I'm excited here for this show. So you know what? I'm going to stop my rambling and officially kick it off here this week, D-Heads, because I'm stoked. As you can tell, I'm feeling a little excellent myself. So let's officially kick off show number 254 for the week of January 26, 2024. And come on, You all want to say it, do you want to play with me?
0: are cheering Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
2: It was kind of uh, like Fast Times at Ridgemount High. Back to the future. Excellent. Excellent. Very
3: bodacious.
2: Party, ah. dude. It didn't
3: stop for a minute.
2: It's kind of movie that girls will like because they're adorable. Excellent. Execute.
0: Oh, yes. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
3: Now playing at a theater near you, check newspapers for details.
0: Listen up, D-Heads. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. But don't worry. We got you covered
1: at Diz Radio. Now, back to the show. All right, all you D-heads, I am back. I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 254. For the week of January 26, 2024, as we are going back in time, as you've already noticed, as we've been talking about, we are visiting Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Bogus Journey, Face the music, and it doesn't stop there. Let's talk about Dallas, Gunsmoke, Days of Our Lives, Summer School, Star Search, because we have Amy Stock stopping in here at the show. Yes, Missy, I mean Mom from all the Bill & Ted franchise films, stopping in here this week to talk about a variety of different things. It is going to be a fun romp. So, before I get into my little bit of a spiel here, I do want to give you all the different ways to stay connected here at diz Radio while I have your attention still. And first and foremost, you can always go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news feed, and more, right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's diz radio dot com you can also follow us all over the social media outlets on tick tock facebook snapchat x you name it just find all these links at dizradio.com as well and we are going to be giving away autographs dizradio swag and more for our top contributors to our facebook page so get ready get on that list and contribute share like comment because we're going to be giving away autographs from our past guests, Diz Radio swag, and more for our top contributors. We've already posted our top contributors here for this week, just to get everybody used to realizing it's going to pay off in the end if you are very active on our Facebook page. And that's facebook.com slash The Diz Radio Show. So go there follow us and check it out as well. And finally, if you want to get the show right there on your device to listen to, you can find us on iTunes, the podcast app, iHeartRadio, you name it. Just search Diz Radio, subscribe, leave us feedback, comments, no matter what, get the latest shows as they're released right there to your device. It is a definite way to stay connected. And if I didn't say it enough, you can find all this at DizRadio.com as well. So, D-Heads, I'm not going to talk too long because Amy's coming on on the show. And let me tell you, we have a lot to talk about. There is so much stuff to unpack in that conversation from spanning three movies, her career, soap operas. I mean, so much that I want to unpack in that conversation that I'm going to keep this one pretty short. But I do want to say, you know, going back in the day... Bill and Ted was something that was this weird breakout hit, right? I mean, 1988, 89, you know, you're there. It's exciting. I myself was on the cusp of entering high school freshman year. I'm dating myself here, but it was fun. It was a blast of a year. And Bill and Ted came out, and that movie just resonated with everyone. It was goofy. It had heart. Uh, It was fun. The soundtrack just rocked. It was just one of those things that was really, really fun to enjoy that summer. And Bill and Ted spawned so many different things. And I gotta say, I was so obsessed with this movie. Now, you can laugh if you want that. You remember when Bill had that half-cut sweatshirt that was inside out? Now, mind you, I did not make it half-cut. So, I did not have that part. But, I did buy a sweatshirt, turned it inside out, cut off the sleeves, and draw the Wild Stallions logo on the shoulder, just like Bill did. I kid you not. It was looking back now, what was I thinking? Like, did I actually think I was cool walking out? Like, you know, you're going to the grocery store and I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm dressed like Bill, this doofus from a movie. Like, (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking, but I definitely thought I was styling at the time, right? you know, so (laughs) walking around places, I wore that thing to death. And there was a good friend of mine. His name was Mike at the time. And, you know, well, his name wasn't Mike at the time. I mean, his Mike name is still Mike. But anyways, so his name was Mike. And it was funny because we would walk around like we were Bill and Ted. He was taller, had dark hair. I was the shorter guy. So clearly I was Bill. He was Ted. And, you know, I look back. Why did we dress like that? We were, It's like almost living Halloween every single day. It was kind of goofy. But Bill and Ted spawned a lot of different things from my memories and many other people's. I mean, there was a serial I remember eating the Bill and Ted cereal. It was right up there with C-3PO's, Mr. T's cereal. You know, anything that was an animated series at some point, they made a cereal about it. And you had the Bill and Ted animated series that was on TV. So then you had the cereal. Then there were the toys. I still have my action figures where you squeeze the legs and you could hook up your radio with like a headphone jack and then the music would come out of the little speaker that came with the toy. Uh, you know, so Bill and Ted was big. And then there was a really short-lived few episodes only and i want to say it was maybe 1992 ish or so uh where it was a live action bill and ted show no it wasn't alex or keanu it was other actors doing the role but you know there was that short-lived show as well so you know bill and ted spawned this big thing so much so it has an ongoing series that they had at halloween horror nights at universal studios for a long time called bill and ted's excellent halloween adventure and that was fun you had death from bogus journey you had bill and ted and then they brought in doc brown and the delorean and you know whose time machine was better and you know it was just that just tied all the universal properties together it was definitely a blast but anyways d heads i am not going to talk very long right now because like i said there is a lot of stuff i want to unpack with Amy Stock stopping in here very shortly. But Bill and Ted played a big role in my life. I pass it on to my kids now. They've watched it with me. Bogus Journey. I mean, I remember playing that soundtrack nonstop. Who cannot jam out to Kisses God Gave Rock and Roll to You or Slaughter Shot It Out or Steve I with the Reaper Rap. I mean, these were staples of that. And when Face the Music came out, I got to say, the one thing that made Face the Music so good i mean yes there's the critics there's the people that want to relive this moment from their childhood you're not going to get that but the thing i appreciate about face the music is they brought everybody that they could back they made it a complete series i mean they didn't have to bring the reaper back but you know they did they could have done what a lot of these franchises do and forget about all the other sequels and make it a direct one from the first one and things like that i love that they didn't erase their history Bill and Ted is exactly what Bill and Ted is. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to release the reins here to the D-team. Enough talking out of me. Um, We have a lot coming from the D-team. We have Frank, Aaron, Dominic, Jeremy. And of course, the next time you hear out of me, I'm going to be sitting down and chatting with Amy Stock, Missy. I mean, Mom. From Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey, Face the Music, and so many other things. I'm excited for this conversation because let's face it, back in the day, all of us wanted Missy to be our mom. Be right back, all vd Heads. Let's continue on for show number 254 for the week of January 26th, 2024.
2: Let's visit the land of heavy metal. The most excellent cereal. Pass for gruel. Looks like a gruel duel, dude. Heinous display of manners. We've got a most excellent way to start your day. Or night. Excellent cereal. Cinnamon oats with marshmallow notes. It's the most triumphant part of this complete breakfast. Awesome cereal dude. Who gets the last bowl? He does. new Bill and Ted's excellent cereal. It's most excellent! Prize super
0: their dealings with stressed <coughs> envelope to <coughs> Davis and Kurt <Kirk. coughs> right down that. <coughs>
2: I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented
0: expedition. Once, they made history. I must see through it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to Hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights.
2: Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken.
0: Making new friends. Excuse us, dude, but is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? Enjoying the family. No way! Invading the present.
2: I totally possess my dad.
0: Battling (laughs) the future.
2: You meddle, dude.
0: Excuse us, but your shoes are
2: untied.
0: Can't believe we just melted death. And meeting their maker.
2: Guy? Congratulations on Earth! Not to mention your other great planets Mars, Jupiter,
0: Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip.
2: Best of seven? Damn right! Ah! Dude. Left hand red. Ah! Yeah!
0: Bill and Ted's Bogus journey. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know.
4: Hey D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Well, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. First question is from Tim, and he writes, Diz Radio, brand new to the show and discovered you on the Facebook page. By the way, loving the inside facts you toss out there on that page. It got me thinking about a ton of movies from my childhood. And there was one about a band that took over a radio station, Airheads. I love this movie and it was so funny. My question is the song The Lone Rangers Sing. Was that made for the movie or was it a real song? Either way, I love it. Thank you for a fun show and taking me way back. Well, Airheads is a 1994 film starring Brendan Fraser, Steve Puccini, and Adam Sandler as the members of a struggling rock band who hijack a Los Angeles radio station in order to get their demo aired. The song you're referring to from the Lone Rangers is called Degenerated. Jay Younger and Sean Ysault accompanied with Brendan Fraser's vocal rendition of Degenerated, a song by hardcore punk band Reagan Youth. The song was re- released by Reagan Youth on their album Youth Anthems for the New Order in 1984. Reagan Youth was a New York punk band that had their niche in the 80s and 90s but were never really a huge commercial success. Well, Our next question is from Rachel Harrow of South Carolina and she writes, Aaron I saw on social you had Amy Stock coming up so hoping this reaches you before it airs. I'm a huge Bill and Ted fan. I have a question about the Bill and Ted animated series. I can find how long it ran and such and I believe it had a serial too. But can I find it anywhere to watch or hopefully buy on DVD or Blu-ray? Be excellent to each other. Well, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures is a 1990 animated series spin-off from the 1989 film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. The show follows Bill and Ted, who is visited by Rufus from the future. They travel to time periods, making sure history happens as it should. First season of the animated series was produced by Hanna-Barbera and aired on CBS in 1990 keanu reeves alex winter george carlin and bernie casey reprising their film roles for the second season in 1991 the animated series switched production companies and networks now airing on fox kids and produced by dic animation city as fox was also planning on airing a new live action version series with the same name the cast was replaced and the leads were now voiced by evan richards and christopher kennedy the actors who would go on to portray bill and ted on the short-lived 1992 live action television series. The new episodes also introduced a squint phone booth that could take Bill and Ted into literature, television shows, and after shrinking them, inside the human body. The new show had trouble catching on, and after one more season, the animated Bill and Ted series was canceled. First episode of this first season was released as a special feature on the Bill & Ted's Most Excellent Collection DVD box set and on the Blu-ray of Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure. In 2013, they released a two-disc Best of DVD. Disc 1 includes eight episodes from Season 1, while Disc 2 has the complete second season. It was a Walmart exclusive at first, but now is available nationwide. You can also watch the show on the Roku channel and Pluto TV. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Send all your questions and comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads.
0: I had been selected for a most important journey. I was to help fulfill the destiny of the two great ones, Bill and Ted.
2: Wild Stallions rule! Still, and trouble moves too fast. To save the future, we must learn about the past. Whoa!
5: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Diz Radio's Quote of the Week. This week's quote comes from the man himself, Walt Disney. Now, Walt Disney's opening day speech was delivered on July 17th, 1955, during the grand opening ceremony of Disneyland in Anaheim, California. The speech was short and to the point, reflecting Walt Disney's excitement and enthusiasm for the new park. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here, age relives fond memories of the past and here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America with the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to the world. These words from Walt Disney's opening day speech have become iconic and still remembered by many Disney fans today. They reflect Walt Disney's vision for Disneyland as a place where people of all ages could come together to experience the magic of storytelling imagination, and innovation. His dream was to create a place where people could leave their worries behind and immerse themselves in a world of fun and fantasy. And with Disneyland, he made that dream a reality. Well, that's all the time I have for this week, everybody. Remember, have a magical week. Hey, it's Ernie Reyes Jr. here from Sidekicks, Ninja Turtles, and Surf Ninjas, and you're listening to Diz
3: Radio. Radio <laughs>
2: This is Mom, dude. Hi, guys. Hi, Missy. I mean, Mom.
0: Uh, Miss Preston, we'd like you to meet some of our friends. Yeah, this is, uh, Dave Beethoven.
6: Oven. Ah, si, seems so sure,
0: madam. And, uh, <laughs> Maxine of Arc, Missy. Mm-hmm. Herman the Kid. Bob Genghis Khan. Socrates Johnson, Dennis Frude, and, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln.
7: Well, it's nice to meet you all. There's sodas in the fridge.
2: Mom, can you give us a ride someplace? Bill, I'm not taking you anywhere until you do your chores.
0: Lights. Camera. Action! It's time for this week's
1: Diz Radio special guest! All right, all of you Diz Radio fans out there, you tuned in once again for another magical, fun-filled edition here at the Diz Radio Show. And with us here this week, we're taking you back in time a little bit in the future. She's kind of everybody's mom. Yeah, you know, it's just it's that mom that gives you that that uh, Oedipus Rex complex, I guess, back in the day. But we have none other Then Amy Stock here. You know her from Days of Our Lives, all the Bill & Ted films, Summer School, and so much more. Welcome to Diz Radio.
7: Well, hello. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, as somebody that, you know, grew up in the 80s, uh, you know, to me, Bill & Ted was like a staple of that, and I'm sure you get to all of that. But before, before we get into all the fun things that you're part of, the one thing I always like to start with for everybody is... How did you get started into acting? Because I know that at some point you were, you know, you were kind of on star search and a few other things. So what led you down that road of, this is what I want to pursue?
7: Okay, well, uh, you asked for it. So here it is. Uh, Back in second grade, and I'm not kidding about this, back in second grade at Wells Elementary School in Ohio, my teacher, I still love her, Mrs. Jackson, she decided to have a career day. And just play around with, what would you want to be when you grow up? So I loved it, of course, even in second grade. And I went home from school, told my mother and father all about it, and promptly announced that I was going to be a movie star. And that was it. Uh, And that was it, (laughs) quite honestly. Uh, there is One of my favorite games as a kid growing up was Barbie's Key to Fame game loved this game and one of the jobs that you could be as barbie was movie star and i always chose that uh i wrote little skits and plays all through elementary school junior high high school of course and then college i i honestly jonathan i started in second grade and being wanting to be a quote movie star and have never wavered from that, ever.
1: Well, you know, and it's one of those things, too, then, where, you know, you set your sights on it early on, which is really hard for, you know, some kids. You know, you got kids, who you know, they want to be a, a dad that's a ninja. I mean, you right away set your sights with, I want to be a movie star. And you set out for it. I mean, you know, and that progressed. And... You know that le- leads leads me to being on like Star Search and things like that. And you know you were part of you know looking back at some of those those old tapes. You know because you know we're doing our research here before we're talking with you. And I'm looking at it and you know y- y- you you know you got these women that are towering over you and you're walking out on on the runway. I guess what was that like realizing like, all right, I'm the underdog here.
7: <laughs> I am so glad you noticed that as well. I I use this as a classic. This was my star search experience. First of all, it was freaking wonderful. It was what a way to be introduced to Hollywood and the business uh, being on that show. But I was actually, um, like I said, all through school, all through college, I have my undergrad in theater. I, again, never wavered, but I was at that time, 1983 or four, 1984. I was living in Chicago and doing the modeling and doing whatever I could get, had a couple of really good agencies, got the audition for Star Search uh, through there, and traditionally had two auditions set up, one for acting, which is what I really wanted, the acting category, and then one for spokesmodel. And for some reason, my acting audition got canceled. I have no idea to this day. So I went on the spokesmodel one and got, got hired or was chosen. And then we we all went to New York to shoot the videos, you know, the the modeling videos. And you would shoot six at a time. I am telling you, I walked into the dressing room the first time and saw all those gorgeous statuesque women going, what am I doing here? (laughs) I am. There is no way I come up to their knees. And plus, I'm flat chested. I mean, it was a whole range of things going on in my brain. Uh, And then... um, You know, and then the show, and the show was taped live in front of a a studio audience. And I think why, after they moved, pulled the camera back so they could get us both in frame at the same time, because I was a lot shorter than the others. I think what actually saved me was we had to do two commercial teasers and they put a microphone in my hand. And man, I took off with that. I loved it. Uh, So being a spokesmodel, Being able to speak in front of the camera with a microphone in your hand and really sell it, that was my strong suit. And a couple of the women I went up against, gorgeous and all really wonderful people, but they got stage fright when they got the microphone in their hand. So I had an advantage that way, and I think that's why I did so well on that show.
1: Well, you know, and with that too then, because, you know, like you said, it's it's one of those where you had that mic in your hand, you knew what to do, but that goes full circle right back to the acting. You know, that goes into, you knew what to say, you weren't afraid, you just... You know, you belted out and, and worked with your strengths, and of course, you know that led into a million other things, plenty of different roles um, over the years. And uh, you know, before we get into like Bill and Ted and any of that stuff, I guess being on Days of Our Lives, because I like to bring up sometimes the soap operas, because you know, back in the day with the soaps, it's one of those where people, would, you know, they ditch out of school to see like what happened on the latest episode and and, and things like that. What was it like being on a show that had such a high paced turnover where it's like, here we are, here's our lines, here's what we're doing, we're filming, we're going, and it's just nonstop?
7: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So I went to the um, – what, what am I saying here? Uh Atta, American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City for a year after I graduated from college. And of course, they bring you back down to the method and getting into the background of your character and really thinking about it and getting to a real place. Well, segue to the part where I got hired for Days of Our Lives. It's like, okay, here's your script. Here, memorize 30 pages and be ready to recite them tomorrow at 6 a.m. That was very difficult. And especially because uh, my particular storyline with Beau and Hope and Steven and the whole spy thing, it got pretty hot there for a while. And so we were, we were getting scripts of 25, 30 pages of scenes, just us, that we would have to memorize every single night. Uh, and you quickly learn that, okay, I'll get as much as much of it down as I can, but then when, they're, when I'm in front of the camera, we just got to go with it, right? It's a huge acting experience because not only do you learn to memorize that quickly, uh, you learn to keep going. When you flub a line, you learn to not have any of the stuff you went through to get there, show up on camera and it's fast acting. It's, it's fast acting. There's no time to think about anything really. Uh, So you rely on the people that you're working with and you rely on the writers who were all pretty good at that time. And yeah, it was a, it was alternately a wonderful experience and one that still causes me anxiety today a little bit.
1: So with days of our lives then, you know, with that fast acting, as you were saying, you know, you, you get through it and you start, you know, you're learning how to improvise and do all these things, but also what's it like getting that instant gratification? Cause you're filming these and they're pumping out and they're airing just as fast as you're, you're filming.
7: Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it The time I shot on Days of Our Lives, we had a two-week turnaround from when you shot the show to when it actually aired. And that's not a lot of time. Uh, But one thing that Days of Our Lives uh, producers and directors and people who would sit up in the glass booth and look down on everything being shot on the sound stages. One thing that I really love that they would do is after you do a scene, if they felt, wow, that's a really good scene, we really enjoyed that. They come running down the stairs out of that glass booth onto the soundstage and just are congratulating you and your castmates. And they had a real positive attitude going. And trust me, we needed it because we had some emotional scenes going on. And uh, I had one particularly really bad day where it was mostly monologues that I was supposed to be giving on the pier and it's raining and it's cold and in dress rehearsal, right before we shot them, they would cut and paste. Oh, this is too long, we can't use this. So they would cut and paste my my scene. So I had no idea where I was going at by the end of that scene. I got so stuck, and in soap world, you do one take and you're out. If you have to do two, that's that's kind of not happy, right? Well, we had to do seven takes, and I still wasn't getting it. I was just stuck. I, something in my brain would just click off. And I couldn't continue talking. And I'll never forget my customer. God bless her. Because there was that fake smog everywhere and the, you know, the raining and the ice. It was horrible. After take seven, where I finally blustered my way through it, they wanted to do another one. And here comes my customer with a coat. And she said she wraps it around my shoulders, drags me off the soundstage, looks into the camera, said she's had enough. And she just dragged me off and said, and that was it. Right. So uh, that was an extreme moment on that show that was, that will always stay with me because it was brutal, but the, the caring that I received after that really helped me get through it.
1: Well, you know, and like I said, you know, soaps back in the day, they were just one of those things where, you know, people really lived it and got entrenched with the characters. And, um, you know, of course that's now going to lead me to, you know, Bill and Ted franchise. Everybody knows Bill and Ted bogus journey face the music. Um, everybody quotes it. All the time, you know, Missy. I mean, Mom. My children love watching that movie. You know, passing it down to them. So it's it's one of those where I look back at this film and I remember seeing it just entering high school and thought it was the most goofy, silliest thing. But for some reason, kept watching it all the time. How did you get involved with this film? Because I know for a while, I believe it was shelved for a bit.
7: Yes, it was. Um, well, I was just finishing up my stint on Days of Our Lives. They shot off my character, and I guess I came back as a ghost for a couple of episodes. I don't remember. But I remember I had gone uh, on the audition for the first one for Excellent Adventure, and I got the call while I was still on set at Days of Our Lives, and I knew I was going on to something else, which was really cool. The audition process for me, and from what I understand, this happened to Keanu and and, um, Alex as well, and other people. I went back six times. For the same producer, same writer, same everything doing the same scene, it was the, you know, she's in the garden watering and the phone booth drops behind her and she meets all of the historical characters that was the audition scene. And I I did I went back six different times, it was a long process. I liken it to the fact that, yeah, it was just like Star Search, in my opinion. I kept going back, and there would be a different bevy of very beautiful actresses in the waiting room, and here I am, you know. Uh, so, I think again with that tiny little scene where I don't have much dialogue but a lot of reaction, I tried to change it up. I tried to do different things, little subtle things that might make them laugh, and I think that's why I ultimately got the part of missing, not because I was a bombshell or you know, well endowed in the chest area, because I certainly was not. Uh, I think I made them laugh, and I think they liked that. So I'm pretty sure that's why I got the part. In order to do what the, the just the, the few jokes they have in there regarding my, you know, chest size, they had to cut a few, I'm pretty sure, and do different angles on the other ones. But, you know, hey, I. I won that part. And I and I did it because I didn't play her as a dumb blonde. I didn't play her as a bimbo. I played her as a smart, this is what I have wanted. I want to be married to this guy and have a beautiful home and an already made kid. And, you know, so I didn't approach her from the, the ditzy. I hate to use that word, but you know what I mean. Uh, that kind of silly point of view. I approached her through, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And I like it. And I think that's why I got it. So
1: Well, you know, and it went on to be such an iconic role because, you know, there's these little gems in history where there's movies that everyone's like, this is going to be the blockbuster. This is going to be the one. But it's the movies that you don't expect that play a part in people's lives. You know, that get passed on and, you know, being Missy in there. And uh, I guess at the time when you were out and about, how often were people quoting to the, the movie to you and uh, co- approaching you at that time when that movie got released?
7: When it got released? Well, I, I don't remember, you know, honestly, I don't remember a lot of that from Bill and Ted because it took a while, Like like you said, it took a while for it to snowball into something people watch over and over. And it's almost like a comfort movie now. Uh, So at the time it came out, and uh, again, you mentioned the delay in being released. Well, yeah, we shot it in 86 or 87. I can't remember. Oh, spring of 87. And then two years it was shelved because the production company went bankrupt. And they they put a stop on all their films that they were shooting. So uh, when Orion Pictures got part of the settlement, they were allowed to go in. This is my understanding of it. Okay. (laughs) Alex will probably know this better than I do. But from what I understand, they were allowed to go into the vault, pick out whatever films they saw and release them as their own. So Orion picked up our little film, put it together as just a let's see if we can make any money off of it. And wham, it just took off because of what you said, because it's silly and funny and delightful, but it's got a lot of heart to it. I mean, how can you not love a movie that whose motto is be excellent to each other? I I quote that all the time. I think that's a wonderful line. So when it came out, I believe it premiered, correct me if I'm wrong, Eighty eighty nine. Yeah. So by that point, I'd been on Dallas and I was kind of, I, I never thought the movie would ever be released. I don't think any of us did. So we got on with our careers and got on with other jobs. And when it was released, uh, it was this little sleeper that all of a sudden was Orion's top grossing picture of that year or so. And I and I think it's because of what I said. It's it's just warm and friendly and goofy and fun, and it's a comfort movie for a lot of people now. And I love that. I love that about that film.
1: Right, it is one of those comfort movies, like you said. It's it's one of those where you know, and it kind of pushed a lot of people's careers too, because you know, you think about how it got shelved, and you know, it just brings me back to like Keanu in between that time was doing the uh, made for TV Babes in Toyland, which was a disaster. So, you know, at least <laughs> Bill and Ted kind of refreshed that. But when it comes to being Missy then, so, you know, this movie's a sleeper hit, everybody's loving it. And, and you know, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, I was, you know, in high school when it came out. So right away, I'm like, I want Missy to be my mom. So, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, but w- when you got a pro, when you got approached and they're like, all right, we're doing a sequel, we're doing the bogus journey you know Missy has to be part of it. Were you just like, "Really? Oh my god, I'm going to be part of this."
7: I was floored, quite honestly. Um when they said that a second one was in the works and that I was in it, um Scott Kruf said, "Of course you're in it. We wouldn't think of not having you in." It. I'm like, "Oh my god, thank you so much." So no, I I don't ever count on being in something again until I'm actually asked. But for bogus journey, uh it was a, it was bigger by that point uh the script was more intense i my favorite one of my favorite scenes two there are two favorite scenes i have in those three movies one is the watering scene like i said from excellent adventure but then in bogus journey it was the seance scene because i got i had my circle of friends and that was ed and chris and their friends who were in a writer's group it was so much fun to shoot that scene and we just we had a blast they're blast doing that. So, and I was like, yay, Missy's back. Missy's into new wa- new age now and séances and crystals and god, we had fun. It was just magical. And to again be a part of that, you know, to be asked back and be a, an important part of that was just wonderful.
1: Well, you know, and I think with that too then, you know, with Missy, you know, getting into the séances and things like that. The the thing that's funny is of course yeah, she's shifting to, you know, the other dad now, but she also has this character development where you can tell, tell that she's not just this young, naive person. She's growing as a person, too, which is nice to see. Like, they're actually making her progress in time.
7: That's nice. Thank you for that. I agree. Um, and again, I think what you're seeing in Missy and Bogus' journey is that she cares for all of these kids. She's one of them. You know, or I'm not that far removed. But she really, truly does care. She cares about the princesses, keeping them safe. She, so it's not... It's not like I'm playing their mom. I'm just caring for them. And I and I love that about Bogus Journey. That was the fun part of that, too.
1: Now, before we get into Face the Music, of course, with, with Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey, I, I you know, things like that. Now, of course, when you're on set, things are always fun. And, you know, people. some people say it's like a family or other people butt heads, I guess. What were the sets like? And do you have any, like, really grand memories where you're like, okay, this is a day I'm never going to forget because it was just... The most fun I ever had, whether that was filming or even just, you know, eating from the food cart.
7: Mm -hmm. All of it, all of the above. Uh, Yes, because, well, for Excellent Adventure, we, we, most of us in that film, except for George Carlin and maybe Jane Leland, most of us were pretty much just starting out in our acting careers, like you said. So nobody was anybody yet. And we, we really did have fun. We, I mean, I have lovely pictures of uh, my mom and I in the hotel hot tub with Napoleon and Billy, the kid. We hung out. We did a few things. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't like, you know, hey, include me in everything. But anytime you saw someone while we were on location from the crew or the cast, it was always a, like, just, hi, what are you guys up to? Let's go do this and whatever. Uh, in terms of the scene that i'll never forget is when i got uh, in excellent venture i've got my my mom mobile you know the station wagon and i have every single one of the stars of the movie in my station wagon and i don't know why we didn't have a stunt driver but they they put me at the wheel um and then packed my car with everybody and i'm supposed to get them to the school where there's that scene where i'm coming around the corner I Miss two people. I like, hit the garbage cans into flying and stop in front of the school. I got to do all that driving. We didn't even. There was no mention of a stunt driver, and we did it a few times. And then we yelled cut and moved on. And my friend at the time, who later actually became my husband, he's like, "You do realize you had just about every star in your car, and they trusted you with the driving, right?" <laughs> what are you made? I'm a really good driver. But yeah, it's it's stuff like that. It's moments like that. I you know and then as an actor you just you get the scene you get the lines but what's going on all around the lines that's the fun part for me you know i i love saying lines but i really do love being in the background and being able to react and relate to what's going on that's a lot of fun too so
1: well you know and and with that too that's part of the fun and part of the memories for you of being on these sets now over the years as it gained steam and as i mentioned you know i pass it on to my kids i'm sure you've heard many of these stories from a variety of fans you know it's nothing new but i guess what was it like or when did it finally like when did you have your aha moment when you're like wow these films like have a cult following now
7: yeah that's interesting uh probably not until we did face the music quite honestly um no uh, it's seriously because um as an actor and this is advice I give my students um I, you can't let the press and the hype get to you or how successful something is, yes, it's fun to enjoy all of that, but if you let yourself uh get immersed in it, then you're not moving on to the next project. You're you're not treating it as the work it is. And I've done a lot of shows. And and honestly, again, you ask, when did it all kick in? I'll, I'll tell you, it's now kicking in. Now that I'm kind of out of the business and looking back on things I did, I go, wow, I did that with that person. That's pretty impressive. But if I were to do that While we were shooting it, for example, on Dallas, when I met Larry Hagman for the first time, because we did a scene together, if I was starstruck or any giddy about that, I would have never gotten through any of the work. So you treat it as work. And I guess that's why I, I don't know, I guess that's why it always floors me that that there is such a cult following. I hate to use that word. There is a, a fan base that's remarkable out there. But again, I don't think it kicked in for me until you know, face the music and all the um, advertising about that and social media. We weren't on social media back then. So that's helped quite a bit in, um, you know, in in reading the comments and in uh, going back and forth and having dialogue with your fans on social media. It's great. So, um, yeah, that's that's when I think I, it really hit me like, wow, this is this is really fun stuff. People like it.
1: Well, you know, and, and it's one of those movies, too. Like you said, you may have just noticed it now, but it's one of those where, you know, uh, younger generations, it's it's one of those few movies. There's, I'd say there's like, you know, 10, 15 movies where no matter how old they are right now, 10, 13 year olds, even now, they know those movies. And Bill and Ted are some of those movies where they are going to keep getting passed on no matter what. It's just that.
7: And I love that. Yeah.
1: Right. It is just that goofy family. It's, it's one of the few movies you can sit down and watch with your kids and just have a good time.
7: Mm-hmm. And still laugh. No matter how many times you see it, you can still giggle or laugh or just enjoy it. And that's, yeah, again, that's the magic of this franchise. And what else is nobody ever knew it was going to do this. Not when I was sitting on the shelf for two years. You know, and then just thrown out there, and then Bogus Journey um, with the big splashy Hollywood Chinese theater premiere—that was a night to remember. That was so much fun. Uh, but that's when that hype took off for Bogus Journey. Um, I don't know. I, I guess when they said something about face the music and hey, we're gonna, we might be doing a third one, I got contacted. No, actually, this is how I found out I was actually in the third one. Because I thought at this point, you know, I'm so much older. It's, it was 30, what, 30 years, 35 years difference between then and, and now. Um, and I thought, oh, my God, there's no way they're going to want to miss you in this third one. And then I happened to do, somebody asked me from Boom Studios, asked me to do Comic-Con down in Anaheim and show up because they were doing the Bill and Ted comic books. Uh, and... So I went down there to sit at the table and sign autographs with Brian Lynch. He was great. He's the one who did the comic book. And Scott Kruf, who was the original producer on both shows, was there as well. And we reconnected and blah, blah, blah. And at one point, as we're signing autographs, he just kind of gently leans over and says in my ear, by the way, you're in number three. And I Almost exploded right there on the spot. I had no idea, but there's Scott sitting next to me going, Oh, yeah, you're in number three. So after I, you know, hugged him and thanked him and whatever, I excused myself from the table, went up to the lobby and just screamed. (laughs) I was so happy. And then, of course, I had to call my son and tell him. But uh, yeah, so that was, and, and it gave something to look forward to. It was, that was so much fun. This, all three of them, there's something just a little, bit about all three that is so delightful to remember and to relive
1: well you know and with it then with face the music you know of course you know being at comic-con and seeing the fan base in from there too as well and you know being in face the music now so you know you know, missy was with you know bill's bill's father ted's father and and now going with the brother what was that like saying all right well now she now she's with deacon all right let's do this
7: uh yeah mm, okay uh face the music i am i was i'm thrilled i was in it got to reconnect with everybody uh for me missy turned almost into a caricature rather than a character and i don't know how else to describe that um i don't i don't know they they were all it was very fun for them to create this new relationship with deacon uh which is great but personally in my own life i'm like twenty years older. I'm kind of an older woman now. I don't like that idea of going with brother. I know it kind of gave people a laugh. I don't know. What what do you guys think? Was that okay? I have no idea. Um, but when they approached me that that's the that's who I'm married to in this one, I was like, oh, okay. Not that I had anything against anybody else, but I was kind of hoping they'd let Missy grow up like they did the Bill and Ted characters, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, but it, you know, I, I get what you're saying. It was one of those where, you know, she went from, you know, excellent adventure to, you know, growing as a person, as I was already mentioning, to then having, you know, this, this small role. I mean, it did give a laugh. It gave that bit of nostalgia for everybody. And to me, it was important for her to be there on any level, just because she has to, she has to be there. You know, same with Deacon and that, you know, you can't just have bill you can't just have ted you can't you know you got to have everybody i think that's the only reason
7: yeah we're a unit we're a family unit yeah
1: right and i think that's the only reason why face the music was as successful as it was in terms of the fan base because they made sure to bring everybody back and that was important
7: yeah that was cool yeah you're right um and by the way i it's i want to make this very clear I don't care how big the part was. I care what the part does. Okay. Um, I knew I was in two scenes and then Scott, Scott Kroof, again, the producer, he emailed me and said, yeah, you're going to be in the final scene too, because there's no way we can have this big concert wrap up scene without you in the front row. I went, yeah, you're right. Okay. That's cool. Right. But uh, yeah, no, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say very poorly right now is I, I wanted to present Missy as Age I am now, and I don't, I don't know if that went over. I don't know that I was, you know, the intent of the character, and me as a person, as Amy, as an older woman, um does it bother me? No, because I was so thrilled to be in it anyway. I just, I don't know. There's a piece of me that just went, why can't Missy be 65 years old? Which is what I am, by the way, and I don't mind at all saying how old I am because I got here, you know. Uh, And I'm very proud of my age, and I will always say that out loud. Uh, And I guess it made me feel a little bit like I needed to be younger than I was. I don't know. I don't know. I, this is actually the first time I've been unpacking all of this. This is interesting.
5: Well, it, and,
1: and it makes sense, though. It does make sense because, you know, Hollywood, you know, I'll be one to say right away, Hollywood is very forgiving for men. Um, It's not for women. So it's it is a tough situation. So, I, you know, I may not be a woman, but I understand where you're coming from.
7: No. Oh, yeah. Good. Then hopefully others will, too, when they're listening. I take nothing away from the franchise. That franchise, along with Gunsmoke, along with Dallas, was one of the top three of my experiences of my career. And I would never change any of that. Um, what I'm looking for now would be, let's let's see who I am now. As a, I hate that word, mature. As someone who's been around for a while, shall we put it that way? As, uh,
1: as someone who's a seasoned actress.
7: Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Seasoned actress. Yeah, I like that phrase. Okay. Um, but yeah. I I don't know. It's, it's weird. I love looking at pictures. I, I love the memories, New Orleans to shoot face the music and couldn't have been more perfect. Um, yeah. And, and when I saw both Alex, uh, and Keanu got big hugs, you know, it was just like no time had passed and that's cool.
1: Yeah. I was going to lead up to that too. Like what was it like seeing everybody again and kind of reconnecting a little bit? And, you know, it's one of those where, Let's grab a cup of coffee and see where life has taken us cuz I mean, you know, back back in, you know, 88, 89, you never would have thought that, you know, Keanu would become like king of rom-coms and then the king of action films and Alex would be making these remarkable like indie and niche pieces and you know, so I guess what was it like reconnecting with everybody?
7: Well, I again, it it just felt comfortable. I I don't know. It just felt really comfortable. I got to meet Bill Sadler for the first time because I never got to meet Death when I was uh, for Bogus Journey. We didn't work in the same days, so it was cool to meet him. It was cool to see Hal again, give him a hug, uh, and then, like I said, Alex and Keanu. Just they're just great men. They're wonderful people. All all of them are. Ed was there. Chris was there. The writers. They were. I don't know how else to say it. It just feels like I like all of you people. I still like all of you people. And anytime you call me, I will work with all of you people. Um, I remember uh, Alex, The I think it was the second night I was there. I hadn't worked on set yet. My sister and I were in a restaurant down in New Orleans. And we walked in and there was Alex sitting with someone else. And as, we, as my sister and I were sitting at the table, Alex was already at my table wanting to give me a, a hug and say hello. I love that. Um, Keanu had his, you know, the guys have their mobile homes on on the set uh, so they can go relax. And I had a picture I wanted him to sign for me, which he was very generous. But I went into, Ke- this was the night we were shooting the huge concert scene. And it was like kind of an all-nighter type of thing. So it was very late. Uh, and I went into Keanu's mobile home and because I wanted him to sign this picture. And again, like I said, he was very gracious. And then he asked me all about my dissertation. What did you write on? What did you get your PhD in? He was fascinated by that. So I got to tell him all about my my scholarly work in, you know, whatever 10 minutes we had in between shots. It was cool. Uh and I didn't feel uncomfortable at all. You know, he's he is great. He's he's done amazing things in his career. And Alex as a director, I mean, my gosh, really?
1: Right. And they seem like they're genuine people. And as you as you're explaining it, it's it, it, I guess the 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 outward facing, I guess, pop culture image of them is actually proving to be true from what you're saying.
7: Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. They're good people. They're kind and generous and smart and talented. And they genuinely like each other. It's always Keanu and Alex became friends through their audition process for Excellent Adventure. I guess they had, their process lasted like two months or th- I, maybe even longer than that. I think Alex said it was almost six months. So they actually became friends in the audition process. And then when they got cast together, and they're still good friends. And I I don't think people outside of the industry, when they see a movie, they don't realize that that's, that's the kind of people we work with. They're genuine and smart, and for the most part, Really interested in what they're doing and wanting to do it well. And I love that environment. And that's what we have in this cast and this cruise we've worked with. And oh, here's a fun thing. I love this. Okay. Am I talking too much? Because I do all the time. My students actually hate that. Okay. Well, there's one fun, fun, t- well, two. Okay. So this is on Face the Music. And I was talking to some of the uh, crew. And some of the stories are like I was like, yeah, I was on another job, but. I heard this was going to, sh- Face the Music was going to shoot. And so I asked the uh, coordinator if I could just work one day, just one day on the set with this. And I went, okay, that's cool. And then another guy, another set guy said, yeah, this, this has been amazing. I've I loved this movie since I was a kid. And now I'm working on it. And he said, when they brought that phone booth to set for the first time, it was on a flatbed truck and they were driving it up to the soundstage. And he said, everybody just stopped and stared at it as it went by. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) that's kind of Uh, So on this one, the the crew, uh, they were, of course, young and grew up with the film, and now they're working on it, and they were all just enamored of everybody and just having a good time, even the the cast. Um, When I, it was, again, that night, we were all there doing the concert scene or whatever, and we're all hanging out in the big Quonset hut they had for us. And I decided to get up and go to craft service. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing someone out of my peripheral view coming, walking rather rapidly and then stopping in front of me. It was Anthony. He's like, I just wanted to say hi. And I just wanted to meet you. I love Missy. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're the star of another show. And so it was moments like that that made, like you said, your original question made me finally realize what kind of icon these characters have become. And not just, you know, to the public, but to people who are working in the industry now. And that was cool. I loved
1: that. Right. Well, and, it, and like you said, it's it's one of those moments where, you know, people, you know, love hearing from everybody, not just not just Alex and Keanu. They love hearing from, from everybody, yourself. You know, these, these are the things that it is such, it has such a pop, I guess, it, it captures this moment in time that is there forever. But at the same time, it's parallel being timeless.
7: Yeah, I think so. You're right.
1: Um, you know, but with that, then, I guess, you know, so, you know, moving on from, you know, acting, things like that and, you know, teaching now and stuff like that is acting something that you'd love to just revisit at some point. If they're like, this is the part we need you in this role now, would you just jump at the chance and be like, yes, I am in L.A. and I am going to film.
7: Uh, yep. You can call me tomorrow. I'll be then on set. Um, I I love it. I I love Film, and television, acting. I love acting in front of the camera. I love the vibe of the set. Uh, As a co-star or whatever, you'd always get your own room in the trailer or sometimes a separate trailer. And that's great if you really want to relax. But for me, I used it to change into my costume, report to everybody, go to makeup, and then get to set whether I was shooting a scene or not because I loved watching the work. And I would always just stay in the background. Is this okay? And they'd always say yes. So I, I stand and I watch people work because that's how I learned. When I was on Gunsmoke with, oh my goodness, how many iconic television actors. Uh, Michael Learned as my mother. James Arness as my father. Richard Kiley as, you know, a friend in the first one I did. Richard Kiley actually in one of the scenes. um, you know we were escaping the Indian the Native American encampment that had captured me so he's on his horse Richard Kyle's on his horse and I'm supposed to jump up and he hauls me onto the back end of the horse and we ride off and he saves me right first of all I'm being hauled up the ass of a horse by Richard Kiley man of La Mancha and I'm you know like whoa secondly I almost got up there the first take and then they had the stunt woman do it but You know, we had Ali McGraw, we had um, Bruce Boxleitner, we had a lot of amazing television people in those four movies of the week that I did, and I got to work with all of them, Uh, and I forgot what the question was or where it was going, but I would sometimes just, I would hang by the set, and for one of those, the camera crew, uh, I used to love to look through the camera, They would let me look at the frame, look at the shot through the camera lens. And I just, I love that. I'm never going to go hide myself in a trailer. I'm always going to be out on set. And here's another thing, young acting students, if you don't mind me saying this, be someone they want to work with. Be there on time. Know your lines. Be present. Don't play the star. Play the working actor who has a job and be very grateful for it. But get in there and do your work and be professional. That's what I would say, because um, that's what I love about my industry, Because we're so involved in making this art, making this work. And that's what's so exciting about it.
1: Well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those where, you know, you want to be somebody that isn't, you know, people here that you're hard to work with and things like that. And, you know, it's good to know that you we might see you pop up at some point. You never know. So, you know, or, or you even make your rounds at the Comic-Cons, you know.
7: Oh, I'm actually going to do. Hey, can I plug in? I am actually going to do one for the first time uh hollywood signing show in burbank uh, on march 1st and 2nd and they're having a dallas reunion i guess a bunch of dallas ex-castmates will be there and so someone contacted me said do you want to do the show and i don't ever do those but i'm going to do this one because I think it'll be fun.
1: I think I think all of your fans are going to enjoy lining up for that one. I think that is going to be, <laughs> you know, well, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I know there's a few that I'd love to see you at. I mean, there's one down in Chicagoland area, uh, C2E2, that comes up in the end of April. I'd love to see you there and actually meet you face to face, not just over the, over the, you know, over the air.
7: Well, I would love that. Maybe I'll, now that I've got a con rep, maybe I'll ask and see if I can get myself in on that. Um, yeah, but I just... The whole industry, the whole business, to look back on my career and look at what I've done, and now I can truly appreciate it. Like I said, at the time you're going through it, it's your work. It's your job. You want to be professional. But now I look back on it and go, wow, I did that. I did that. It's still remarkable as uh, nobody from Euclid, Ohio, and to do the work I've done. And I can finally say I am grateful and appreciative but I did a damn good job on some of that stuff. So happy about it.
1: And it's everything that's lasted, you know, for for a long time. You know, people that enjoy it. Now, I guess, you know, before we wrap things up here, one final question, I guess, that, I, that I'm going to have for you out here is uh, recently, you know, Alex just released a new movie, of course. You know, it's a goofy monster movie. It's pretty fun to watch. Um, but But somebody did ask him. What's up with Bill and Ted? And he said he was going to write a part four. So my thoughts to you would be, if they say, Missy, you got to come back, would you be on board right away? I think I know the answer.
7: Oh, honey, in a heartbeat, <laughs> you call me up and I'll be, I'll be walking back to L.A. I don't care. Yeah, I saw that too about uh, a Bill and Ted 4 and Alex and Keanu and Ed and Chris, they have such a bond together, not only as friends, but as writing colleagues and story ideas. They've If they've got a story idea they want to pursue, and if they want to put Missy back in, are you kidding? I am there in a heartbeat, and I would love to.
1: Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in. I mean, so many different things you've been part of, you know, Days of Our Lives, Dallas, Gunsmoke, uh, Summer School, and, of course, the Bill & Ted franchise and so many other things. I guess, uh, in closing here, for all of our listeners tuning in, all of your fans, fans of Missy, um, you know, I guess fans of Bill & Ted, Dallas, Gunsmoke, no matter what it is, All the people's lives you've touched who you've never even met, but you have played a role in their lives. Do you have any final words you'd like to leave for them?
7: You're going to make me cry when you say stuff like that. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Let me take a breath. Um, I guess I just thank you. Thanks for accepting me.
1: And, you know, and I think that says it right there. It's one of those where you've played parts in everybody's lives. And as I've mentioned, even my own life, I grew up watching this film and all these films and watching Gunsmoke with uh, my dad, my mom, and watching Dallas with my mom. And, you know, I've passed on these movies to all four of my children. So the legacy lives on. And, uh, you know, when I told my children I was talking with Missy today, um, they were freaking out. They're like, oh, my goodness, you're talking about Missy and we got to be at school.
7: (laughs) Oh, oh, dad, come on. Allie, Zachary, Tyler, and Emma from Missy Mom. Hi, hope to meet you someday and be excellent to each other.
1: Oh, that was fantastic. They're going to love this. So it was our pleasure having you stop in, Amy, once again. I hope to see you at a few of the conventions, trade shows, and you're always welcome back anytime, whether that's to talk about anything or you know, maybe one day you start to write those memoirs and unlock the memories and You know, you got a book signing coming on board, but we're we're welcoming you to our family. And it is one of those where, you know, I guess be excellent to each other. And you are always welcome back anytime.
7: No problem. Anytime. Was it delightful? Thank you. I I always like to talk about myself. What are you kidding?
2: Excellent Adventure! I'm Bill S. Preston Esquire! And I'm Ted Theodore Logan! In concert! And I make them play!
3: Speaker connects to figures and most cassette players to make
0: figures play
2: music! Now on drums, that bodacious barbarian, Genghis Khan! Yeah, our new pal from old China! Excellent! Let's rock and roll! Squeezing their legs gets them jamming! Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure! Party, Party on, on, dudes.
6: We have two requests this week. One was for the music of What Dreams May Come. This 1998 film was way ahead of its time, long before the CG world of Avatar, before the digital filmmaking of the Star Wars prequels, before Life of Pi or Unreal Engine creating a world filmed on LED volumes. This was a beautiful film. The gimmick of this movie is to have live actors placed inside of paintings, and it is stunning. Today, there are touring art shows that allow you to walk through giant presentations of famous works of art, and that is what's happening here. Just so you know, Robin Williams is in it, but it is not funny. And not the regular Robin Williams trying too hard, not funny. It's just not a comedy. It's a brutally sad film. An entire family will die in this movie. Kids, dad, mom, the dog, everybody. Suicide is a theme, so FYI for those of you who might be triggered. In this film, the representations of the afterlife are depicted by the worlds of paintings, for both good and bad. Michael Kamen is here for the music, and we talked about him on our Christmas Day Die Hard episode. I haven't watched this film in a long time. As beautiful as it is, it is a brutal watch, but I can hear the themes in my head clear as day. His lead instrument for the film is the oboe, which was the instrument he formally studied. If you don't know what an oboe is, It's a challenging clarinet-shaped instrument without a mouthpiece, and it creates sound through a double reed. And if you've ever blown through a bent blade of grass and gotten a sound out of it, it's like that, but out of bamboo. It creates a nasally sound that sounds like longing. I don't know if I've ever heard happy oboe music. It's the sound of melancholy, perfect for this heavy, brutal, beautiful film. And next, because of our special guest, I had the request to cover the musicians of the latest Bill & Ted nostalgia cash grab. I mean movie. I mean streaming event. I left about 5 minutes into this film. I haven't seen it. I'm almost 50. I don't know how much life I have left. I have to be more discerning with my remaining minutes. But our guest this week, Amy Stock, was on Dallas, and that is something I can happily speak on. I grew up in the heyday of the Star Vehicle, the Mystery Machine, Kit, Airwolf, its cheap knockoff Blue Thunder, the A-Team van, Ecto-1, the time-traveling DeLorean, the Anton First Batmobile, and my favorite because I was five and liked seeing the car jump and had no knowledge of the Civil War, the General Lee. The Dukes of Hazzard would end and before my mother would say, go to bed, the theme song for Dallas would hit. And at the time, I thought the low and high notes of the theme actually sounded like the peaks and valleys of It's a Small World. And listening back, it kinda does. It was written by notable TV composer Gerald Amell. This theme is all A section. It's the melody played over and over, with either brass or strings taking the lead. The best parts of the theme song are the beginning and the end. There is so much going on at the end of the theme song, listen to it a couple times. First to the strings, then to the brass, and then the whole thing. It is a cacophony of fanfare, flying string parts, all within two measures. The beginning, on the other hand, is a celebration of the late 70s. Listen to the bass. It is so out of place. So disco stupid. I cannot believe that first of all that it's there, and second of all that it works. At the end of this repetitive bass line, there's a thunk that doesn't even sound like it's in the right key, or even a note. It sounds like a cartoon effect. But there it is with the rest of the waka waka-chika guitar under an orchestra. Is this a 70s disco, or a Texas marching band? Yes. It is the tradition of Bill Conti's Rocky, another 70s fusion of symphony and disco that we've had set in this era. Yet somehow it is a timeless piece of music and television history. I do have an official DizRadio email, or you can just contact Jonathan directly. But it is Dominic at DizRadio.com, S-D-O-M-E-N-I-C at DizRadio.com. I can also be found on Twitter and YouTube at WDWPlantunes, or your favorite podcast app, by searching Saturday Morning Superstars. That's if you're really into 90s syndicated professional wrestling. I'm on a show about that as well. So folks, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening.
4: days long ago from uncharted regions of the
0: universe comes a legend
2: the dream that came through a
0: million years that lived on through all the tears hey listen will you stop this foolishness what foolishness would you like to see here he is your spider pan
3: jeremy Yes, indeedy, here is your Spider-Pan Jeremy, back again here at D-Heads, and of course, you can find me regularly over at NeverlandPodcast.com, or search for The Fandom Nexus. Alrighty, so John has asked me to fill in uh, either some genre, or talk about some movies that Amy, I believe, it, has to stock, I'm hoping I'm saying it right, it looks like Amy stock, uh, and uh, I did a little bit of a little research, but uh, I kind of end up diverging in a slightly different direction, but let me just get a few basic details uh she was born december 13th in 1958 in cleveland ohio uh, and she's known best probably for bill and ted's excellent adventure and bogus journey uh, but also was in a film called summer school in 1987 which i vaguely remember this movie uh, I, I i remember kind of seeing bits of it when i was a kid and uh, never really being a fan because there was Two guys who were big into horror movies and uh, were always trying to gross out everybody and trying to impress, uh, I think, like, a, I think she was supposed to be a Swedish girl or something, which I think might have been Amy Stock's character. The, the character's name was Kim. I don't know if that was her, and I, I haven't seen this movie at all since I was a kid, and I was, I was not really into it. Uh, well, she does have one son, Robert Andrew Poyton V, uh, from her uh, well, now divorced from husband Robert. Uh, she actually made a fulfilling. She fulfilled a promise she made to Ed McMahon while competing on Star Search in 1983. In the early 1980s, Amy Stock obtained her Ph.D. in theater history from the University of Illinois in 2012, writing a dissertation on the American stage director and theorist Herbert Blau. I believe you pronounce this. Uh, she was most often cast as dim-witted blondes, although she does hold a B.A. in theater from Ashland College, an M.A. in theater from CSUN, and of course, As we mentioned, the PhD in theater history from the University of Illinois. She actually met uh, her ex-husband now, uh, Robert Poynton, while filming on the Days of Our Lives back in 1986. And Bobby says he killed her on the show and then married her in real life. Uh, She's only one of four actors to appear in all of the Bill and Ted films, which, of course, you know, with the face of the music. And now, of course, we've heard a little bit. Alex Winters has been writing. Uh, for a fourth Bill and Ted, don't know if it'll actually necessarily get going, but, you know, it's, 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 it's a step in the right direction, right, if they're writing. She was actually pregnant while filming Gunsmoke, The Long Ride, in 1993. By the end of production, they had to film her from the waist up to avoid showing her baby bump. And her acting mentor was the famed Broadway director, Jose Quintero. Now, the main thing that I want to get to, if, you, if I don't know if I could look at this as a genre, but since we mainly know her as playing Missy, uh, that made me think about, you know, those school crushes that we would get, because it seems like almost like Bill and Ted maybe would have had a little bit of a crush on her or something. And then the next thing you know, that's your stepmom and that's your mom, dude. So you have this kind of weird, embarrassing thing with crushes, which, of course, harkens back to what I was ended up thinking of. I got a couple of, you know, a little I'll tell you a little bit of some stories uh, I had. To, like in kindergarten, there was a, a squirrel, one girl. I remember, I've always kind of liked dark hair and blue eyes. I mean, most of us, I think, do. It's, it's kind of just a nice conversation. But there was a girl, you know, and we're I'm kindergarten. We're five years old, but I was turning six. It was at my birthday party, but I thought she was pretty and everything. She had dark hair, blue eyes, and everything. And right there in front of all my classmates that had come to my, my birthday party at a godfather's pizza, I just said I said, I'm going to point out the girl I really thinks pretty. And I pointed her out right there and embarrassed myself. Now, what was funny, after having made a, a fool of myself at the time, uh, and I do recall, actually, at that birthday party, I was wearing a, a Secret of Nim shirt that had the character of Jeremy uh, who is a crow played by Dom DeLuise, by the way. Uh, I remember wearing that shirt. <laughs> but uh, but later on, uh, during my, um, I, I, it's kind of odd to call it my college years. I guess there's different between my college years and my university years because I went to a community college for a while and then I later went to a university. But uh, doing events with the Baptist Student Union, uh, we were having this uh, like overnight one time, did a scavenger hunt where we had to hit the road. Actually, this might've been uh, one. No, I think this was with the college one because there was another scavenger hunt I remember doing. Uh, with actually my now wife's church uh, when I was playing in a band, they had we have scavenger hunt, but we had to go out around about the town. And I don't think that's when it was, but about there was at least I think it was a college like scavenger hunt uh, that we had to videotape certain things and we had to get some people to do something. Then we went to this like a hotel or whatever looking for just some random people that we could get to sing a song or something like that. And it turned out there was a bachelorette party going on. And at the bachelorette party was this girl that from kindergarten. Uh, we kind of recognized each other and I thought, hey, that's just kind of funny Uh, but yeah, so we we actually filmed with her and had her do some stuff and I thought it was kind of fun and I, and I even said in the video uh, I kind of wish I had a copy of this, like, hey, we should get bonus points, I went to kindergarten with her so uh, that was kind of fun uh, another weird and odd, this is a, the files of what world wasn't I thinking or was I thinking, I don't know, in high school, I mean, there was a girl my freshman year, she was, uh, this girl was like a grade higher, higher than me, but Uh, I was a big fan of the Little Mermaid, and this girl just looked like Ariel. Uh, Really, really, really was. I mean, she was very pretty, and I always enjoyed redheads and everything. Uh, And I had seen where her locker was at, and I was very shy, and I wanted to be able to say hello. And I got the weird idea oh, you know, we used to pass notes in middle school. Let's try to pass a note. And, then you know, the vents that are in the locker, I tried to pass notes through the vent. Uh, It was not a good idea. Uh, It kind of came off really weird, I think, that I, I dropped some notes in there. Uh, Then it turns out, actually, I did meet her later. I had classes with her. So if I wanted to be able to say hello to her and, you know, still be the weird, awkward, socially awkward shy kid that I always was, I would have had plenty of time to be socially awkward in this situation anyway. So, yeah, I really didn't have to make it worse by trying to like, oh, hi, this is me. I'm writing notes. Here's where my locker is. Oh, it's just just stupid. But I was a shy kid who was just trying to find a way, and it was it was the worst possible way. But, yeah, did you ever do anything embarrassing with uh, with having a crush on somebody in school? Uh, or did something weird happen, like, after school, like they ended up your stepmom or something like that? Yeah, hey, why don't you send us an email? Apparently, we're getting tons and tons of emails, and even more than Jonathan can sort out to even let me know just how many of you sent what you were excited about to do this year. But, of course, we'll be back next week with, with me and the rest of the D team. And don't forget, of course... Find me at the Phantom Nexus or at NeverlandPodcast.com. And, hey, you know what? I'm still playing City of Heroes on uh, the Torchbearer server. If you go to City of Heroes Homecoming, you can register yourself for a free account. Come play and be superheroes. Come find Spider-Pan. There's a hyphen in there. And uh, join in my group. I've got a, a super group, kind of like the Avengers. Uh, have a lot of fun over there. Come and play with me. But we'll see you next week.
1: When your wife suggested couples therapy, Do you think that this is what they had in mind?
0: Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel. And you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. (laughs) Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Whoa!
4: Whoa. Whoa. Greetings, my excellent friends. We have a problem.
2: Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan, yeah. performed tonight, will save reality as we know it. Oh. oh.
0: Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude?
2: Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah! Yeah! And you should help them out. Yeah!
0: How's it, it going, Bill going, and Ted?
2: We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? Oh, <laughs> oh this is so fantastic.
0: We're going to go talk to Death. Is he playing a scotch by himself? Ah. Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Life it not a wild stallion. Let's! excellent
1: to each other
0: and party on dudes
2: yeah billy yeah. dance how you doing well you know we're dead and we're in hell
4: but how you doing
0: we good. good hey d heads you're listening to the Diz radio show taking you into a journey of pure imagination through your lifetime of memories We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of the dreams. Here's your host, Jonathan
1: Johnson.
0: Hold your breath. Make a wish.
1: Hey there, D-Heads. I am back. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It has been a fun romp, going through history, going to hell, going to heaven, facing the music, and so much more. I want to extend a very special thank you once again to Amy Stock for stopping in, chatting with us. I did not mean to make you cry or tear up on air, but Missy means a lot. And you have touched a lot of people's lives, whether you realize it or not. Thank you, Amy, once again for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D Team of Aaron, Dominic, Frank, and Jeremy all stopping in here with their signature segments. Remember to reach out to the D Team. Shoot them an email. Their emails are right there on the website. They mention them here on the show. Connect up with them. Don't always just drop it to the general mailbox. We'd love for you to connect up with them one-on-one. And most of all, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. I know I say it every single week, but without you, there would be no show. We have been going on for 14 years, and that's all because of you, the D-Heads. So before I end up closing out this week's show with a little bit of uh, wisdom for all of you, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Diz Radio. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more, right there on our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also find us all over social media from TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook. You name it. We are all over social media. Just search Disney Blue or Diz Radio. Or keep it even more simple than that. Just go to DizRadio.com and all these links are there as well. And finally, and most of all, if you want to get the latest shows to your device, remember to subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, a variety of different places, the podcast app, uh, streaming service of your choosing. Just find us there as well. Leave us comments and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, you can find all these links on our official website at DizRadio.com. So, D-Heads, that is it here for this week. I know it was a long one here this week, but it was a fun one. It was a romp. I am ready to just maybe challenge death to a few games. Yes, best out of seven, I don't care. I'm going to take it on. But before we close out, as I always say, slow down, take time, and never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. So go out there and do that. Make those memories. Make it happen in 2024. So with that, I'm going to release the reins here to one person who's going to give you a little bit of feedback and ways that you should just be excellent to each other until next week all of you d heads have a fantastic weekend
0: and now for our last speaker one of the greatest presidents in american history mr abraham lincoln score and seven minutes ago, we, your forefathers, were brought forth upon a most excellent adventure conceived by our new friends, Bill and Ted. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition which was true in my time just as it's true today. Be excellent to each other and party on dudes! Thank you for tuning into the Diz Radio Show. The thoughts and comments expressed are those of the show and do not reflect any company or guest heard on our program. Now go on and relive the magic, fun, excitement, and appreciation from your lifetime of memories. See you real soon!